I've got a couple of different things to share with you today. Uh, congratulations to Dr. John. I think that's really important. It's uh, one of the reasons that I like coming and filling in for him here is because you can tell about the pastor's quality when you fill in for him. Because he is an educator and he's done a good job with you. Because I don't have to use real short sentences. You're savvy. He's been doing a good job. So, <laughs> anyway, we got two different segments to today's message. The first one is a little lighter. I brought with you a handy dandy, uh, this one says 17 in 1 multi tool. There is a black book sitting back you by. Would you? Send somebody up there with that because that's got all my important notes in it. And uh, thank you. It's my daughter, Amanda. Okay. Fathers, this does all relate to fathers. Fathers are, are sent by God to be fixers. Right? Little kid comes with a toy that looks like this. Fix it, Daddy. You know, so he does. We're supposed to be fixers. We're supposed to be the ones who, who set things straight that are under our control. So I brought a handy-dandy fix-it tool. It Actually, it is more than that. This, this applied directly is a gift from God. It is an attitude adjuster. Okay? And the primary purpose of it is not to adjust your family. <laughs> not to adjust your wife. Leave that in God's hands, please. <clears throat> Only. However, this is an attitude adjuster, and there's, there's like this one has 17 different applications to it, and I'm not going to go through all of them, obviously, because I don't have enough paper. Uh, but let's say it's got a punch, an awl, you know those little gizzies that you can poke? That's actually to uh, poke holes in all of the poor excuses and alibis that you come up with before God. You know, you come up with, oh, I can't do that, it's too late, I'm too busy, I'm too whatever. That little tool will poke holes in it, all the air will go out, and so you're left... You know, going, okay, God, that's the correct response. Then there's another item in there. Uh, in fact, there's multiple sets of uh, screwdrivers. Now, we all know among you who's got some screws loose. <laughs> no volunteers here. Uh, okay. Uh, when, when you tighten those things down... That actually is to uh, eliminate all false doctrine, myths, spiritualisms, wishful thinking, whatever, to tighten down on what's the truth. Because everything else is loose and falls apart and will not be sustained. God's word is sustainable. Then we come to the knife. They all have a sharp blade in there. We're not going to talk at all about circumcision. 
enough said. However, if you need to get started with God and you haven't done so yet, you can do it the old-fashioned way, according to Genesis, where you... Or, come and talk to your pastor. There's easier entry ways of coming to serve the Lord. Then we come to uh, an important part here, known as the pliers. The pliers are... Uh, well, they're for getting a grip on something. Okay? Your wife ever tell you, honey, get a grip? I noticed two nods. <laughs> How many of you are not telling me the truth right now? <laughs> the player is also a very important application to deal with our own sense of pride and self-importance. What you do is you take the little pincher and you can apply it to any tender extremity of the body, nose or your choice, and squeeze very firmly until you reach the screaming point. And continue until you realize that the only answer to any relief is God himself. And it might also encourage you to repent a little bit. Now we're going to get to the last and most important part of this little amazing tool here. You'd almost think I'm selling this. <laughs> and that is, it is known as a prayer companion. You've all heard of Garrison Keillor's Prairie Home Companion. This is kind of a cheat on that. This is called a prayer companion. And what you do is, because uh, a lot of men are, you know, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm too manly to get down on my knees and talk to somebody that nobody else can see. This will help you out. Lay that down on the floor, get down next to it. It'll be a companion to you during that prayer time. And then you go ahead and talk to God. And believe me, that's the biggest fix-it that you can do. Honestly, that is one of the weakest points of Christian mankind worldwide. You don't pray. You wing it. In fact, the only time you may take uh, and use the name of God is when the chicken coop catches fire, you get a flat tire, or you find something sharp on the way to the bathroom in the middle of the dark. Prayer needs to be something effectively where you're communicating with God. And this, this prayer companion will be with you all the time when you're praying. And you'll find that after a while you won't even need that little companion with you because you can do it on your own. But it won't give you any hassle. It won't trouble you at all, whatever. It'll be there. Uh, for all our fathers today... There is an assortment of these waiting for you at the back of the door, guarded by a wonderful name by the name of Jerry. Where are you at, Jerry? Raise a hand. Okay, he'll be back there. 
I don't think he's armed, but uh, if you try to take two of them, you better have a really good excuse. Compliments of God. Use it for all your worth. Now we get to the good part. And we still have two, and, oh, two, two hours and 15 minutes. I'm amazed. Oh. <laughs> right away from the beginning, there's been a problem dealing with mankind, dealing with God. And the question that has always arose is, who, who is God? Who is God? Or what is God? Because God is unseen, people have created things, images, statues, animals, carvings, figurines. Because they're wondering, who is God? And they need to fix on something, so they create images. Before we look at the Word of God, let's pray together that God will anoint us with ears that hear and hearts that receive. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would bless your word to our hearing. And Lord, bless our hearts that it might be fertile ground for the seed that you would plant today. In Jesus' name, amen. God came and spoke to a few folks, close up and personal, handy, like Abraham. You all know the story of Abraham. If we all had that experience, we all might be a lot closer to God ourselves. God singled out Abraham and dealt with him, and you know the rest of the story. It turned out really good. And everybody else heard what Abraham said and went, what? Then God dealt with a guy by the name of Moses a lot later on, and you know that story. Moses got to even see the back of God. And it was so awesome that he glowed with light after he had seen him. So much so that when he, Moses came down from the mountain, after seeing the backside of God, he had to cover his face with a burqa, he, with, with a veil. He was a boy. He covered his, his face with a veil because it scared people. This guy was glowing like a nightlight. In the daytime. Now, if we all had that same experience as Moses did, our attitude would be a whole lot different too. Now, Moses told the people all that had happened and all was going on, and how did the people react? What? Same thing. They didn't see, they didn't hear, they didn't experience. All they're doing is hearing with their ears and it didn't ring true. Who is God? Who are you talking about? What is he? What is he? And right off the bat, God gave us some rules, if you will. If you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, I want our boys back there in the booth. Wave a hand. And we're looking at verses 4 through 7. I think I'm there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. 
These words which I command you this day shall be in thy heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and they shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Okay, so far so good. Love God. Okay, God, we get that. Who are you? What are you? Where are you? Again, we're caught with that dilemma. God gave us instructions to love, but now what do we do with it? Now what do we do with it? Hmm. I didn't read another verse. Go figure. Did you jump ahead on me? I just lost my whole train of thought. Go to chapter 30. Verse 6. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. See earlier paragraph connected with communion service. When we love God, we obey him. When we obey God, God responds by demonstrating to us love. He says, when you do this, teach it to your kids. Talk about it. Talk, when you come, go. Talk about Scripture. Use Scripture. Talk about spiritual things that you may live. Live how? Social Security. Ribeye steak. fishing trip in the Bahamas. Now, live with peace in your heart. Live with joy. Live with hope. Live with contentment. Live with security, confidence, grace, dignity. That no matter what happens, folks, no matter how downtrodden we are, no matter how impoverished we are, no matter how black the world looks, we can stand and hold our head up high because God loves us. And nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Everything else is going to go to a place we won't even mention. It says, all, the, all that we see will melt with a, a fervent, fiery heat. Everything is going to be gone. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And his word is supposed to abide in you. And if it abides in you, you shouldn't pass away either. Because it protects you. So far, so good. Now we jump to another place, but before we get there, we have to describe a little bit. From this point on, God sent evangelists 
prophets, old geezers with robes and canes that shook. You listen to me, people. And we oftentimes think of those prophets as being just warnings, just messages of gloom and doom. The sky is falling. You're going to get it. But they really weren't. Every one of those prophets were messengers of more of God's love. Stirring people to go back and remember the commandments and do them. And you won't have to face any of these bad things that are going to happen if you don't. Follow God and it's going to be good. He came and he showed again and again and again and again his love. And people said, well, who, who is God So they went after Baal, and they went after Molech, and they went after this one and that one, and you name it. Even Solomon followed all the gods of all the strange wives that he married. He was the wisest guy in the world. Didn't work out real good. Who is God? And how can we love something that we haven't seen, we don't know anything about? And now comes more of the good stuff. Go to Matthew chapter 6. We're not even into the second hour yet. Matthew 6. Don't be nervous. Verses 9 through 13. Some of you have come from churches where you were taught to recite this as a small child. How many of you were ever taught to recite this in your Sunday school or catechism classes? Let's see that hand. Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. You guys are awesome. Except that the church has made a failure here in its application of this precious text. And I say this with the full confidence of some of my Norwegian background, which is not much. We've made a ritual out of something that is probably one of the most amazing, amazing, eye-opening things that Scripture could give us. The question, who is God? Jesus came and told us in one fell swoop who he is. Call him Father. Call him Father. And not only call him your Father, call him our Father. Which means Jesus is saying, I am your brother, I am your sister. Nope, I am your brother. Uh, You get what I mean. It was in there someplace. (laughs) Although some would have it both ways, I guess. Jesus says, we have a father. And we're to hallow him. How do we handle Jesus? How do we learn to love this God we're commanded to when we don't know him? And Jesus said, don't know him as some stern, scary thing far away. He is to be respected, 
but not terrorized of. Please understand the fear of God is not supposed to be the terror of God. That's only supposed to be in the heart of the wicked. They're supposed to be terrorized. The rest of us, when we hear and see and smell and understand and have the concept of God in our hearts, we should be filled with respect, not terror. Our Father. Our Father. What do fathers do? Bad question. What should fathers do? (laughs) Now, some of you, and this might get a little painful, but please bear with me. Some of you don't know what a good father is because you didn't have one. Some of you may not have even had a father that you know of. Some of you may have had a father that beat you on a regular basis, came home drunk, couldn't find anything good about anybody, and just started kicking everything around him and ended up puking on the floor before he crawled off to bed. Some of you had fathers that you thought were were strong and dependable, and just at that certain time you found that he just took off with some cute secretary down the road and abandoned you and and mom and the rest of your siblings, and you never saw him again unless it was some, oh, happy Christmas, kind of a cheap relationship. So you may have a tainted attitude of who and what a father is. But a father is one that loves to death those that are his. A father would gladly lay down his life for everyone that is his. And not only would he, he does. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He provides for you. How many of you just took a breath? Go ahead and take another one. It's free. That breath you just took is brought to you by God. What does he ask in exchange? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for that wonderful gift of life. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. Hallowed means holy, great, wonderful. Thy kingdom come. That means not just political power. It means, Lord, have lordship over this piece of dirt here. Your kingdom come to this earth. Be the king of me. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not just in Fred and Barb and Claris and all those others. But in me. Thy will be done in me. Help me to surrender, Lord, to all the stuff that you have for me. Give me what I need today, Lord, my daily bread. You don't have to fill up the deep freeze, although that would be nice. But if you did, Lord, you taught me to share. All the rest of it. Who is this God? Who is he? We're going to back up and take another run at this from another direction. And now in honor of your pastor, all the rest of the scriptures come from the gospel of John. Hey, let's start with John 1. It's a good place. 
Verse 14. You've been taught, I'm sure, diligently about the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 said, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He lived with us. He came and he lived with us that we might behold. I'm going to try to read this better. And we beheld his glory. We got to see, we got to witness who and what he is. As the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Did Jesus ever leave any wreckage behind other than, of course, the temple when he messed up the money changers? Wherever Jesus went, the scripture says he went about doing good. He blessed people. He went into a place of a whole bunch of hungry people and he fed them out of nothing. A couple of tuna fish sandwiches and away they went. He went into a cemetery once and he found this crazy guy. But a crazy guy found him. And he straightened him out, put him in his right mind and set him on his way. He went into another cemetery once. And he raised up a guy that had been dead for four days. And his sister said, Lord, he's already starting to rot. He stinks. That's what happens when they don't embalm you. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And the stone rolled away by itself. And this guy come walking out of there. You can just see this grave claws dragging. What do you look like when you've been dead for four days? Probably not a Gillette commercial specimen. You know. Jesus is going to go into another cemetery. And the dead in Christ are going to rise. I want to be there. On that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise. And the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair. When the saints of God are gathered over on the other shore. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I like that. Go. Let's do it. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be Jesus walked among the crowds where they were crippled and lame and blind and deaf and funny-looking people, and he helped most of them. Well, some of us stayed funny-looking, but he, he healed people. He fixed people. Everywhere he went, he did good. He did good. He blessed. He was the perfect picture of the Father, the Father's love. In fact, we have that directly in Scripture. John 14, verse 9. I went too far. John 14, 9. 
He's having a chat with a guy by the name of Philip, I believe. Let's go with eight. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it will suffice us. Again, that echo, that question we started out with at the beginning of the sermon. Who is God? Who is he? What is he? Where is he? This is in the heart of one of the disciples, so don't think like you're one of the strays that are coming in out of the dark at the last minute. These guys have been with him for three years. They're still asking the same question. Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus says to him, Have I been with so long a time with you, and yet you have known, not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Please let that soak into your hearts deep this morning. If you've seen Jesus... You know who God is. You know all about God that you need to know for right now. You've seen Jesus. I've been this long with you, and yet you say, show us the Father. Then jump down to verse 15, please. Jesus says, if you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Oh, that's good stuff. What does that say? What does that honestly say? If you love me, I'm going to give you back something that responds to that love. I'm going to give you a shot of my love. Intangible, workable, provable form. I will send my Holy Spirit to be with you, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And those of you that have received the Holy Spirit of God right now, this this moment, should understand God's love in you. Because when you receive the Holy Spirit, it shouldn't have been some spooky thing, you know, where you start running up the walls and whatever. But you have an overwhelming sense of love that just can't be bottled up, and it bubbles out. The speaking in tongues is just an uncontrollable urge to praise and to give thanks. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Because God has loved us and we have that perfect witness within us. His love is real. And he sends his love to those that love him. If you don't love him, why would you ever expect to receive a blessing back again? If you never sent anybody a Christmas present, you're sitting there just crabby because you never get anything from them. Well, duh. Do they even know your name? Many will come to Jesus or the Lord on that day and say, Lord, haven't we done this and this and this in thy name? And he'll say, who are you? I don't know who you are. Depart from me. Because it's based on on whether or not you love God. First commandment, 
Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength. If you haven't got that down, folks, good luck with the rest of it. It's not going to work. It's all based on whether or not we love him. God so loved the world that he gave his son to show us his love. Chapter 14, verses 25, 23, and 24, please. Did I do that wrong? Did I do that backwards again? Hmm. Let's start with 23. 1423, it's Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and we will make our abode with him. What does the word abode mean to you? Home. Wow. Everything's all right in my Father's house. That would be here where you are, where, where everything ticks inside. If you're right with God, then you can sing that song. It isn't everything's all right up there. That's, it's, that's redundant. It's been all right up there all along, ever since he booted out the angels, the bad guys. When we sing everything's all right in my father's house, it means in this. You can be satisfied with the things of God and let's wrap this up before you go to sleep. We'll make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keeps not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. We clearly know those who don't love God and who do. Who are the ones that are obeying who are the ones that are keeping the commandments of God? They're loving God. Guess what? They get rescued. The ones who don't love God, I hate to be brutal about this, but there's no time to fancy it up. You either love God or you're going to hell. I don't. I hate to even say that to you. Because it's not any place to play church. It's for real. We got one more place of scripture. John 21, verse 17. This is the end of the gate. Jesus has been resurrected. Peter and the boys went fishing instead of preaching. When they went fishing, it wasn't with a hook and worms and down by the shore with a straw hat. They were in the boat and they were the nets. They were back doing commercial work again. They were fishing commercially instead of preaching the gospel. And Jesus says one simple phrase, and I hope this sticks in every one of your hearts. Verse 17, he asks him the third time. I lost my place already. Wow. 21 17. He says, He saith unto him the third time. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said, Lord, 
You know of all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said unto him, prove it. That's the gospel according to Gunderson. This isn't just said to preachers, although that's been used by those a lot. It could be used as a calling into the ministry. Those of you who are sitting there kind of on the edge of your chair running, should I or shouldn't I? This is it. But also it says, if you love me, take care of my sheep. Prove it. Who are men's sheep? How many fathers do we have here this morning? I'd like to see hands. Every now and then I do this. We have a couple of hands here. Who are your sheep? Do you love God? And prove it. Prove it to Him. The word feed there is only found just a very few times in the Gospels in this chapter in John. It's not found in other places. It doesn't literally mean take straw and poke it in their mouths. It's a word that accumulates all the other aspects of being a shepherd, including protection, shelter, nourishment, defense, teaching, guiding, leading. Feed your flock everything they need to know, teaching them scriptures, showing them how service to God should look like by being a servant of God yourself. I'm running out of gas already. But I hope you got a tank full. This stuff is for real. God wants you to know several things. This morning, I'm going to close my book and just capsulate. God wants you to know, number one, that he loves you. Number two, he wants to know if you love him. Not lip service. Oh, I will, Lord. And never show up. He wants to know if you love him and if you are going to obey him. Why do you call me Lord, he says. Why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I command you? I think that means I'm done. <laughs> we'll, we'll take it at that right there. Let's stand together. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being your sons and daughters. Father, we know it's Father's Day. We honor those that are among us that are fathers, but God, most of all, right now, I want everyone in this place that has a heart for you to raise at least one hand to you, to honor you. Lord, we lift our praise on high.
Lord, we love to sing your praises. We lift your name on high. You are Father of all. You are our Alpha and our Omega, our beginning, our end. You're the author and finisher of our faith. You're all we need. And God, with you in us, everything is all right in our Father's house. Lord, I pray that you would give a blessing and a dismissal to everyone in this place. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone together, agree and say, Amen. God bless you.